Welcome to the Lifehouse Podcast. Our aim is that together we can love God, love others as we walk each step with Christ. We hope you find this message practical, encouraging and life-giving. Be blessed. Hey, I realised I did have a dad joke, Josh. Sorry, that was just real quick, like snappy transition from worship to, to, to dad jokes. And I think Grant, where's Grant? Oh, he's gone. He tried. I think the joke was, um, uh, <laughs> what's, what's the difference between a cheater and a pie cost? And then the person goes, oh, what's a pie cost? And you're like, oh, around $4.50. Right? Yeah, yeah. But my joke, my joke, this is, this is a good one. Uh, big question. I came up with this one as well, hey? Uh, what, what did Dinah see? Somebody tell me. What, what did Dinah see? Dinah saw us. That's not the reaction you want when you tell a joke, is it? I feel like someone living on the drums, like, yeah, that was shocking. Anyway, that was my joke. At least, you know, kind of makes sense. Anyway, happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers in the house. What a beautiful day. I feel so honoured to be speaking today. I had to double check the roster. I'm like, you sure? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm not a dad. Um, and I'm never going to be a dad, which means I can't really be speaking from my experience of fatherhood or my expectation of fatherhood. So this morning, really, we are coming around our Father. We're coming around God, the Heavenly Father, and, um, and, and hearing what He has to say uh, towards us. Is there any chance I can sw- switch microphone? I'm sorry, this one's just making some noises and it's putting me off. Sorry. Praise God. God. Amen. Praise Him. Hey, here we go. I don't know if that was any better. Anyway, uh, we're coming around our Father, our Heavenly Father. He is a good Father. He is a perfect Father. And you know what happens sometimes? Often we begin to relate with God, our Heavenly Father, in the way that we have related with our dads. It just kind of happens. And I remember in 2016, I kind of had this revelation around that of, wow, okay, so, so God is, is different, you know, he's not, he's not always like this. And sometimes we can carry these preconceived ideas into our relationship with God, depending on how our relationship is with our father. Or maybe you grew up, you didn't grow up with a dad. And also that can affect the way that you perceive God. Maybe your dad was, was um, really strict with you and you've you feel the same way about God. Maybe you felt like your dad always expected you to be doing something and and that you'd be busy and so you find yourself busy before God. Maybe your dad was, was really harsh. Maybe he was angry. Maybe he was distant emotionally or physically. Maybe he was always away at work and you feel the same way about God. Maybe your dad told the worst dad jokes there ever was and you're kind of scared that you're going to get to heaven and dad's a dad, daddy God is going to be like, hey, what did Dinah see? And you're like, oh no, I'm really, I'm really scared. But God, he is perfect. Our God is love. And so I'm praying this morning that, that we'll really be able to bring these things before God and actually hear his voice in the matter. Has anyone ever been swooped by a magpie before? Look at the hands. Anyone this year yet? Because I know Becky Wolf, she went out walking the other day. Five times she was swooped by a magpie. 
I find there are magpie lovers and there are magpie haters. Who loves magpies? I know, oh, there's not that many, okay. Yeah? I know Sheree and Anthony, they love magpies. They've got two pets, pet magpies. One's called Stumpy, one's called Maggie. One's missing a beak, one's missing a leg. It's just a beautiful little connection. Who hates magpies? It's, oh, okay, there we go. Well, you know, I don't mind them, but in spring I find that I'm a little bit scared of them. You go for a walk and you just find yourself kind of looking up. I've got this loop that I do that's literally between two tunnels of trees. And this morning I was like running through it and I'm like, oh my gosh, are they going to swoop me, you know? It's kind of weird because magpies have this preconceived ideas in their little brains that for some reason they think every single person wants to steal their babies. And it's like, No, we don't. I don't think there's been a single human that has gone up to a magpie nest and poked the baby. Like, number one, we wouldn't dare. And number two, why? Like, (laughs) what's the point of that? We we don't want their babies. But the father, the daddy magpie, is like, nah, got this little idea in its head, this preconceived idea that that every person is out to get their their babies. And I understand that, that it's over, you know, they're kind of protecting, but it's just, it's just not necessary. And I brought that example up because we kind of all know it and we all recognise it and we think, yeah, you know, that's silly. Like, why, why would I do that? I'm just going for a stroll. But I feel that sometimes I find myself doing this and I think we can find ourselves being a bit like the magpies. We can find ourselves swooping at things when it comes to God, when it comes to our relationship with God. I'm talking about getting triggered around areas or like that, that preconceived idea that, that God is going to act in a certain way. And sometimes that can actually cause us to, to be a bit distant towards God. Sometimes that can cause us maybe to even be mad at God, expecting that, that if we stuff up or if that we make a mistake, that He's going to act in a certain way and He's going to be harsh and He's going to draw the line and we start swooping and we start freaking out because we've got this, this preconceived idea because of maybe the way that your dad or a father figure in your life treated you and and acted towards you when you did those certain things. Is this making sense? And so we find ourselves just swooping and it's sometimes it's just not it's just not necessary. We just don't need to do that because God is our heavenly father and he is perfect. He is absolutely perfect. And so this morning I'm praying 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 all over us, and if we can grab that on the screens, it says, we demolish arguments, listen to this, and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ, amen? That's what I'm praying. Demolish every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. I'm just praying that those things in our minds are going to be demolished. We just got to admit at the beginning, we all got them. I got them. Nobody's perfect. Everybody, we got to understand that we got these things. And so I'm praying this morning that those things are going to be demolished, that we're going to take them captive. We're going to bring them before God and God is going to speak truth. He's going to speak life. He's going to speak love straight into the depths of our hearts. Does that sound good? God, we thank you that you are that good Father, our Father God. We, we just ask in this morning as we bring these things before you that you'll begin to, yeah, firstly highlight them in our hearts and then demolish them in Jesus' name, that you'll get rid of every pretension that sets itself up against knowing you and who you really are in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Let's read our uh, main text for this morning. It comes from Matthew 6. 
somebody. Um, and uh, yeah, it's Jesus. He's, he's preaching. This is just a little part of his sermon that he's speaking when he's up on the mountain. Um, and we're going to read from verse 5. He's teaching people how to pray. He says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, don't, don't keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. And then He gives us a model of prayer. He says, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, or some say forgive us our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors or those who have sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one or from evil. And, and some finish with, for yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. Firstly, I think it's quite interesting that, that Jesus says for us to go into our rooms, shut the door, be by ourselves, and then for us to pray our Father. He doesn't say my Father. He says our Father. And I think maybe that is to highlight to us that when we come before God, we're not having this mindset of, my father, well, gee whiz, my father did this. You know, this, this, uh, this verse here talks about um, provision. Well, my father, he never provided for me. He, he wasn't there. He wasn't there when I was growing up. Or, or maybe, well, my father, it talks about forgiveness. He, he would never forgive me. In fact, he had a list of things and he would bring them up all the time. Maybe, maybe that's what you're thinking. My father, well, he, he didn't lead me down the right paths. He kind of led me in the wrong ways. And I think Jesus is saying, no, nah, let's remember, it's not saying never say my father. It talks about saying Abba, Daddy, Daddy God. We can, we can do that. But I think here it's saying, let's remember, we're praying to our Heavenly Father. I'm stressing this point because I feel like we need to understand it this morning. Our Heavenly Father, not my earthly Father, but our Heavenly Father. And the other thing that really stood out to me as I was reading it, I was, I was kind of amazed at the end um, in verse, I think it's 13, it says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, which also means trials. It also means tests of the faith. And there's this school of thought which, which kind of goes, I love trials. I love tests. You know, I, I, I love to kind of get there and, and suffer a little bit and, you know, learn and grow through these experiences and these hard times. And I just think it's incredible. And there's a kind of verses that, that, that talk a little bit about that. But I just think it's incredible that out of the five things that Jesus says to bring before our Heavenly Father, one of the only five things that He says is lead us not into trials. Lead us not into temptation. Lead us not into testing of the faith. He says, 
lead us not, not plead with God, oh, please, like I want to learn and I want to grow and I want to, I want to go through these things so that I can better myself. No, the Father's heart is, is a good heart. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to struggle. It's never his, his first um, idea. It wasn't his first option. Think about it. Even with Jesus, when he, when he died on the cross, I think we've got the verses here in Matthew 26. Verse 39, he says, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken away from me. But if not, let your will be done. And then again, verse 42, he says, he goes out again, he prays a second time and he says, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, unless I drink it, may your will be done. He's like, is there another option? This sounds hard. God was asking him to bear the sins of everyone in this room. And I mean, just that alone, you know, that's, that's pretty hard. And the sins of everyone in the world, you know, to bear that upon his shoulders, to die for us so we could know him. He's saying, is there another way? But there wasn't. There wasn't another option, but it wasn't the first option. The first option was for us to be in the Garden of Eden and to not choose to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, to not make that first mistake. That was option number one. No sin, no pain, no death, no suffering. But we couldn't do it. We, we, we chose to do the thing that God said not to do. And so therefore, there was no other option. I'm saying this to say that God's first option, His, his, his natural bent, His wiring, His go-to is not brutality. It's kindness. God's go-to is kindness, it's grace, it's love, it's forgiveness. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, you will be done. Earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread. Lead us, not, oh, forgive, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Provision, forgiveness, deliverance, that is our Father. And I, I don't have children myself, but I feel as if, if, if I did, I wouldn't be kicking them out on the streets or, or pushing them out the door saying, come on, go fend for yourself. Like, it will be good for you. Like, get out there and, and, and do it. No, I would try and do everything in my might so that they, they wouldn't suffer. And, and I, just, I just think that maybe that's what God's stance is towards us as his children. It's one of love, provision, deliverance. Forgiveness. God, he isn't harsh. He, he is not harsh. Our God is kind. No matter how your father treated you, no matter how you view fathers, you need to know this morning that our father, our father is not harsh. And our father, he is not distant either. He is not distant. There was this time at the beginning of 2020 when we all thought that 2020 was going to be the best year ever. Do you remember that? We were like, come on. <laughs> Woo. And yeah, we all know how, how that's turning out for us. Look, I don't mind it. Brock and I definitely don't mind 2020. It's, it's, it's been all right. I remember there was this, um, 
this, this time when we were watching Survivor, I had bunches of people who would come over to my place. Oh, I love Survivor. I can't wait for it to be back. Um, and we would have these watch parties when we were allowed to actually, you know, be sitting next to each other. And um, I remember there was, like, I think the ads were on or something, and there was a bunch of guys in the kitchen, and they're all, like, whipping each other with tea towels. Um, classic Aussie family fun, right? Yeah? Whose families did that growing up? Mine didn't. So I was, like, running away. <laughs> Please don't. This looks painful. But I walk around, uh, I walk around the corner in my house, and... Um, into the kitchen and there was Brock with like a loaded up tea towel. <laughs> and as I stand there, like he, he, he whips it at me and I'm like, it hurt, right? I didn't know, like I don't think I've ever been whipped by a tea towel before. And I'm like, ow, like that hurt. And I remember standing there, stunned. this sounds like he's bad. He's not bad. He's really good. Um, <laughs> and I remember standing there, stunned, like how could you? We were kind of in like that. We weren't dating yet. We were in that like flirting friend zone. You know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm and um, I'm like, I, I thought you liked me. Like, he doesn't like me. And then as I stood there stunned, <laughs> this sounds really bad. It's not bad. But he, he, he loads it up again <laughs> and he whips me a second time. But this time, like, the, you know, it somehow starts to bleed a little bit on my leg. And <laughs> oh, sorry. I should be sharing, like, a really positive story, shouldn't I? <laughs> oh, dear. Um, I remember, like, as I stood there, I looked at my leg, like, blood dripping down my leg. <laughs> it wasn't that bad. But he, he saw it, and he saw that it hurt me. And then he, like, dramatically, like, throws the tea towel on the ground, walks past me the whole two metres into my living room. I've got a really small house. And he stands there in the middle of the living room, and he's like, everybody... He calls attention to the room. He's like, everybody, line up and whip me. <laughs> He's like, I deserve it. I'm so horrible. Whip me. Man. Um, <laughs> to use a, uh, a kind of classic Christian word to explain what he was doing, uh, other than trying to win my heart back, um, he was trying to make atonement for himself, right? He was trying to pay the price of his mistakes by, by taking that on himself. He was standing, standing there saying, saying, whip me because he's like, I deserve it and I need to pay for what I did. And this thought of atonement is, is a classic thought. It, it's all throughout the Bible. And particularly, we're going to read a, um, some light reading this morning from Leviticus. Come on. Uh, chapter 17. It talks a little bit about atonement. So this is God speaking. I will set my face against any Israelite or any foreigner residing among them who eats blood. I'll cut them off from the people. Beautiful. End it there. See ya. For the life of a creature is in the blood. And I have given it to you to make atonement for yourselves. I've given it to you to make atonement for yourselves on the altar. It's the blood that makes atonement for one's life. So basically God is, is saying here that in order for you to, to be clean, 
In order for you to be able to stand in the presence of God, in order for you to be atoned, you actually need to sacrifice an animal. You need to sacrifice it yourself on the altar so that you can be clean, so that you can stand before me in the presence of God. You've got to sacrifice to be able to stand in the presence. And so there was this, um, this cycle that would go on all throughout the Old Testament of, um, of sacrificing and then atonement. But because the blood of an animal was not, um, it was not permanent, it was temporary, that they had to continuously re-sacrifice an animal. And so it was like this, this, this cycle of, of sacrifice and atonement and sacrifice and atonement. And, and it made me wonder, I, I, like, I wonder whether the people back then thought, man, what's God doing? Like, why do I need to jump through these hurdles? Why do I need to do these things in order to, to come before God, my Father, and, and stand there clean? Like, why do I need to do that? And I wonder if, if you this morning feel like that was somewhat like your relationship with your dad. Maybe you felt like in order for him to be proud of you or to love you, that you had to get good grades or you had to make the mark in some area or be good at a specific talent. Maybe, maybe you felt like you had to jump the hurdles. And the other part of it is, is I wonder whether they felt like God was distant. He said, make for yourselves on the altar. You, you do it yourselves. And maybe you felt like that. Maybe you didn't have a father growing up. Maybe he was away at work all the time. And you felt like you were the one who had to teach yourself how to kick a footy and tie your shoes and ride a bike. Maybe you felt like you had to do it yourself. But the thing is, God so desperately wanted us to know that He is a good Father, that He isn't distant, and to break the cycle of, of a sacrifice and then atonement and, and, and giving and sacrificing, that, that, that circle of, of animals and, and everything. Jesus Christ came down. He, he sent His Son. And we're going to read it this morning in Matthew 26, if I can have the whole band up with me as we do this. Listen to this. The Father God, our Heavenly Father, put on human flesh. He came down, Jesus Christ, and, as Jesus Christ. And, and He says here, while they were eating, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat. Take and eat. How different is that from the sacrifice and give, the sacrifice and give. Jesus Christ said, take and eat. This is my body. Then he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for the many of the forgiveness of sins. And rather than us having to take the blood and to, to pour it out and to, to, to take it and to, to give it away, he actually says, take and eat, take and receive. You got to understand that no longer, we, we no longer need to make atonement for ourselves. We no longer need to punish ourselves. We no longer even need to have those thoughts going through our head where we're trying to kick ourselves down and, and make ourselves feel bad and stand there saying, you know, whip me, I, I deserve it. We don't need to do that anymore because Jesus Christ is standing before you with, hand, with holes in His hands and His feet and a scar in His side where the blood once flowed saying, I am your atonement. I paid the price. 
I am a good father. I am not harsh. I am not distant. He says, I love you. I'm proud of you. I'm close to you. We don't need to go through that through that loop anymore. And quickly jumping back to, to Matthew 6, what we we're reading earlier, Jesus says, when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them because your Father knows what you need. And I think sometimes we can, we can do that. We can think, well, I think I'll be heard because of my many words. I think I'll be heard because of my many sacrifices. I think I'll be heard because of my many struggles. I think my Father might look at me now because I've done all these things and because I, I have paid the price and because I, 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 um, I you know, do things to, to make atonement for myself. But He's saying, don't be like that. I already know what you need. And we know that He gave us what we need in the person of Jesus Christ who paid the price for us. And this morning, we're going to be taking communion together. We're going to take and eat. So why don't you find the cup? There should be a cup underneath your seat. And if it's not underneath your seat, maybe stand up. It might be squashed. Um, <laughs> actually, now let's all, let's all stand up as well. He says, take and eat. Not sacrifice and give. Oh, there's little crackles everywhere. That's right, let's just all do it at once so we can kind of, yeah, nice, nice. <laughs> it's beautiful. This is exactly what, this is exactly what was heard when Jesus was on the cross. I don't know if I should say that. <laughs> Crackle. All right. Hey, what I want us to do as we, as we take and eat, I'm going to read that verse one more time. And I'm going to read it slowly and I want us to, to think about it. But as we worship, as we take and eat and then we'll go into worship, I, I pray, I pray that God will be lifting things up. They'll be bringing things to the surface inside your mind. Maybe He's already been doing that. Some patterns or some thoughts, some things that like the magpies you've been, you've been swooping at. You've been thinking that God is, is a certain way, distant, harsh, unkind, whatever it might be for you. And as you take and as you eat, I want you to remember that Jesus has, has broken through that cycle. He's not saying sacrifice and give. He's saying take and eat. He is a good Father. Deliverance, forgiveness, provision. He, he's given it all for you. He's given it all for us. I'm going to read that verse one more time and then we're going to take and eat and we're going to uh, we're going to go back into worship. While they were eating, Jesus took the bread and when He had given thanks, He broke it and He gave it to His disciples saying, take and eat. This is my body. And that's what that little circle, that, that bread represents, the body of Jesus. And then He took the cup and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them saying, drink from it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink from this fruit of the vine from now until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Thank you, God. Let's take, let's eat, and let's worship. Hallelujah. Hey, we're going to pray through a few things because I feel like God wants to do 
a little bit more in our hearts this morning before we head off. And so what we're going to do, if everyone can just close their eyes around this place, I want to bring up a few of those specific things because, you know, this stuff is deep, hey, and, and it can hang around. You might think, oh, well, you know, maybe your father's even even passed away and you think, oh, that, that doesn't really affect me anymore. But but when, uh, when you're little, these sorts of things can really start to form your identity and the way that you perceive yourself and the way that you perceive other people. And so... We want to pray through that. We know that God can break those things. He can break those chains, even from when you're a real little baby. And so we're going to pray through that. If everyone, yeah, keep your eyes closed and we pray. The first thing I want to pray pray through is the, the first section I talked about, about harshness. And if you feel like you, you view God as, as like a, a harsh God, and this morning you're kind of having this revelation of, wow, okay, so He isn't like that. He isn't this this strict kind of, Headmaster, who's always trying to teach me a lesson and whip me in line. He, he loves me and, he's care, and He cares for me. And Maybe this morning, if that's you, how about you just pop up your hand and we're going to pray together. If, you feel, if you've had this thought that, that God's kind of harsh. No one else looking around. Yeah. All right, let's, let's pray. And if that's you, just... Yeah, be receiving it as well. God, we, we thank you that you are not a harsh God. And I pray for those with their hands up right now uh, who've had this perception that you're harsh and that you're, you're strict and that you've got this, um, this kind of like headmaster's cap on and, and trying to whip us in line. I just pray in Jesus' name that every one of those lies that has entered our minds will just leave right now in Jesus' name. And that the truth of God that, um, that, can, that can pierce between bone and marrow. I just pray, Lord Jesus, that that, that will, will come into the hearts of every person, that they'll know, wow, my God is kind. He's a kind God. My Father in heaven is kind. He is for me and He loves me. I pray for that truth to sink in so deep right now in Jesus' name. Now, the other area is, um, with, if you can keep your eyes shut as well, is, um, is distant. And maybe you feel like God is distant from you. Maybe you feel like he, as you look back over your life, you feel like you haven't felt like he's been close to you and that either emotionally, physically, whatever it is that you, that you feel like, like he is that towards you. How about you pop your hand up in the air and we're going we're gonna to pray through, we're going to pray through that one. All right. Yeah, let's pray. Father God, we thank You that You proved on the cross that You were not distant. You proved Your love to us by, by dying for us. And so, Jesus, we thank You for that truth this morning. We thank You that You are not distant, but that You are near. And so, God, I ask again that that truth will just permeate so deep within us that, that every lie from the enemy will flee and that we will all know, and those who are reaching out this morning to say that, that, that every person will know this morning, wow, my God is close. My God loves me. My dad, my heavenly dad is for me. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, I know there's, there's other things that, that might be up on, like kind of coming to the forefront of your brains. And so we're going to go back into worship just for a couple more minutes. And and I just encourage you to have those conversations with God. Maybe even name them, like say it out loud. Wow, God, I thought you were like this, but I thank you that you're like this. 
I thought that, that you weren't loving, but I thank you that you are loving. I thought that you were absent, but I thank you that you are present. Thank you for joining us this week. If you wish to connect with us, please send an email to info at life.house or come and see us at 170 Adelaide Road, Murray Bridge. And remember, the door is always open for you at Lifehouse. God's house, our home.